Good morning, I'm Boker Tov, and welcome back to our weekly 10 minutes of meaning. In only 10 minutes, we are trying to cover the entire Mesila Sisharm, the path of the Josh of Moshe Chaim Lutzato, is giving us the formula, the prescription for how to live a meaningful life, a mindful life, how to become the better or the best version of ourselves in just 10 minutes. I want to thank our generous sponsors for this series for the year, Lenny and Chani Grunstein, in memory of Mr. Aaron Tambor, Aaron Ben Yitzchak, Chani's beloved father, thank you so much for your generosity and for your sponsorship. To sponsor an episode of 10 Minutes of Meaning, please email lee at brsonline.org, lee at brsonline.org. We are still doing our BRS Online Global Campaign. Join the movement. If you enjoy our classes, our programs, our writings, uh, our panels, please go to brsonline.org slash global and join our movement, support our efforts. And lastly, if you're enjoying or watching on YouTube, take a moment to press subscribe and be notified in real time every time we go live with the next class or learning opportunity. We are on the Midah of Precious. We are learning about the quality of asceticism, transcendence, how to live a life where we are not defined by what we have, we are not defined by our material possessions, but we've proven to ourselves, to Hashem, and to those around us that we can live without them. That's why we are entitled to live with them. That we eat to live, we don't live to eat. And similarly, the car takes us from point A to point B. It doesn't define who we are, it doesn't represent our status, it doesn't impact or our happiness, and it shouldn't. So if these things are bad for us, if a person, uh, we talked about not overindulging in eating, even if it's kosher food, and even if you make a bracha, not to overindulge in the act of eating. But if the eating is permissible, then what's the problem? Why do we have to withdraw? Why do we have to abstain? If the Torah defines it as something which is permissible to us, then what's the problem? Or similarly, vacationing, strolling, uh, spending leisure time, recreation time, recreation activities, following sports, for example, all these other things. If, in fact, there's nothing wrong with it, then, uh, or if there's something rather wrong with it, and the Torah is endorsing living without, then why didn't it prohibit it? Says the Ramchal, the answer is clear, explicit, and obvious. Our rabbis only enacted prohibitions or boundaries if they anticipated most people could observe them. But if they recognized in advance that most people would struggle, they'd be unable. The truth is, this is all an extra layer. This is an obligated. The Torah clearly delineates this is permissible and this is forbidden. And therefore, Protect yourself and behave in a way that you are avoiding that which is forbidden and you are living a righteous life. Don't look back. Don't feel bad. But this next level of chasidus, this next level of living a life of transcendence, of abstinence, of living a life of, of a holiness, because one is not indulging or overindulging, even in that which is permissible, but that which further connects us to our physicality and to our material selves, that is a level of chasidus, it's a level of piety. It's not obligated, it's not expected, and therefore, since most people are incapable, it won't be able to consistently stick with it. That's why our rabbis did not officially, did not officially enact it. And so again, to be very clear on this Midah of Precious, the Midah of Precious is not telling us that we can't enjoy the beautiful and benefits of life. The Torah is the ultimate document that teaches us how to navigate our way through this world that's filled with pleasures. Food is delicious. I'm a foodie. I love food. It's pleasurable. The sights, the sounds, the flavors, delicious. However, it cannot be what drives us. 
And therefore, only when we've proven that we don't need it, that we can live without it, can we engage it. And the same is true with every physical pleasure there is. The singular individuals among the nation who desire to attain that closeness to Hashem, the person who's trying to live that level on that plane that, yes, they're a body, and yes, they're operating in the physical world. That's how we were created. That's where we were placed, and we have no choice. But you know what? To the best degree possible, I'm going to define myself by my soul, not by my body. It's a level to aspire to. It's an ambition that we can have, but it's not an expectation or a demand of us. It's for the Yechide Skula. It's for the righteous individuals. It's for the few that we turn to and that we look at and that we therefore know that that is a possibility. Not everybody's equal, and not everybody could live the same way. People are on different levels, and we're climbing that ladder, we're not running up a ramp, and we're not competing, because as we climb that ladder, it's not a question of what rung we're on, but it's a question of where we started and where are we now. There are people on a ring on a ladder of a hundred rungs. They started on the 90th rung. The parents they were born into, the family, the capability and capacity that they have. They were born on the 90th rung with all the opportunity in the world. But you know what? In their life, they've gone down to the 80th or the 70th. And there are people who are born on the 20th rung. And they've made their way all up to the 30th or the 40th. And so if you looked objectively and you measured, if you did a side-by-side comparison, you'd say one is clearly lower than the other. But that's not how we're judged in Shemaim. It's not the way the Almighty looks at us. Less concerned with which rung we're on, much more concerned with which direction we're heading. So again, it's not a level that, that we're, we're, that's demanded or expected. So why are we studying it? Why are we learning it? Why are we reading it? Because just to know it's a possibility inspires. It motivates us to dig a little deeper and to try a little harder and to improve just a little bit more. If you've ever read a book about a Navy SEAL, the biography about a commando or a Navy SEAL in the Israeli army, the American army. It doesn't mean that you're ready to drop what you're doing and join a SEAL unit. It doesn't mean that you could even survive the SEAL training. But simply reading their story motivates, inspires, and uplifts us. The way our rabbis taught us. There are four types of species in the four uh, minim that we take on sukkahs, the lulav, the esr, kadasim, and aravos, and they represent the four type of Jew, and we put them together, and why do we put them together? By aguda achas, why are they taken in one unit? Because one complements the other. And the same is true with, with people and with Jews. We complement one another. So again, all that we're studying, striving for this level of piety where I don't overindulge in this world. And I say, yes, it's permissible, but just because it's permissible doesn't mean I have to have it. I don't want it to define me. We talk about this in the world of righteousness and piety based on Torah, but it doesn't have to be Torah. It doesn't only have to be Torah. There are incredibly wealthy individuals in the non-Jewish world who um, live without, who there are stories done about them that they're still living in that same home and they're still driving that old car with 100,000 miles on it. Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett famously lives a very modest life. He is a billionaire. He could indulge and overindulge in every luxury that is known to man without making a dent in his net worth or impacting the lives of his great, great, great grandchildren. So why doesn't he? Why is he living modestly in the same ranch home? Why is he driving the same car? Because he's proving to himself that 
while he is successful and strives for greater success, those resources can be used towards achieving a greater good, and it doesn't have to be the overindulgence that won't define, the money doesn't define him. It's just a piece and a part of who he is. Harmful abstinence resembles the way of fools. There's a very fine line between the healthy abstinence, there's a very fine line between abstaining from the things that we don't need and that can corrupt and can cloud our thinking and can corrupt our priorities and an unhealthy abstinence from the things that are our very life source that we desperately need, that keep us stable, stable and provide our equilibrium. Our rabbis have taught us that you're not allowed to mortify yourself. In other words, don't starve yourself. Don't fast to the point that you are malnourished, dangerous. Similarly with sleep, don't get so little sleep, even if you're staying awake for noble reasons, to the point that you are endangering your well-being. Don't live such a frugal life. Don't give away all your money to the point that you need to rely on charity yourself. With our lives, protect and preserve our health. Don't compromise our health. If you are perpetually fasting, even if it's because you're trying to prove that you don't need food, if you are perpetually fasting, then you are a chote. You're making a terrible mistake and you are endangering and you are endangering others. To one who is not able to withstand self-affliction. So there's a very fine line between the healthy and the unhealthy forms of precious and how we practice it. We'll get more into unpacking it next time. We continue 845 with Living with Amuna. Join us back here for Living with Amuna. If you've not yet given to the global campaign, please consider being our partner. BeerUsOnline.org slash global. If you benefit, please be our partner. BeerUsOnline.org slash global. Please subscribe on our YouTube channel. We'll see you in just a little bit.